0: So back in 1969, the co-founder of Church's Chicken, a guy named David Bamberger, sold his steak in the restaurant, and he decided he wanted to take on a new challenge for the second half of his life. And what he did was, he took the money, he didn't want to be known as the chicken guy for the rest of his life, so he took his money, he went down to Texas near Austin, and he sought out the worst piece of property that he could find. And his goal was simply to take the piece of property that no one wanted, that nothing was living on, and see if he could transform it. And so we bought 5,500 acres outside of Austin, Texas, and it was awful. Uh, There was just scrub brush and nothing else. It was rock and no dirt. There was a lot of erosion. There was no water, no wildlife. In fact, uh, they dug a well, went 500 feet down into the ground, and still could not find groundwater. That's how bad it was. But David Bamberger, being a Christian, said, I wanted to work with God's creation to try to restore something that was horribly broken. So he started planting natural grasses He assembled a team They started researching what's going to bring this place back And now you fast forward to today The Bamberger Selah Reservation Is one of the most beautiful places Not just in Texas but in the world There are 11 streams That flow through there There are springs that have flown up, grown up. There are, There's wildlife everywhere I think we got a picture of it don't we And as you look at that, you just can't even imagine that that is something that could come out of a place that was just literally rock and desert. It's amazing what happened when somebody just said, we're gonna take this place, and I've got a vision for what it could be, and this is gonna be the purpose of my life to transform a place that's incredibly broken and make it beautiful. I actually wanted to go there last summer when Kirsten and I went on a road trip down to Texas. And uh, you just can't just walk in there because they really do want it to be a preserve where nature continues to flourish and thrive. And uh, you go on, there was a National Geographic special about this place. You can see it on YouTube. It's just fantastic, the beauty that came out of that. I appreciate that someone like David Bamberger had that purpose in life. He said, chicken is great, but I've got another thing that I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. And if you were to go to him now and say, David, Salah Bamberger Reservation, Reserve, it's great, but you know what it really needs is a good chicken restaurant, and you're the guy to do it. You know what David would say? And he's still alive. He'd say, Yeah, I think he's still alive. He'd say, Chicken's good. And you can change the, the world with chicken, but that's not who I am anymore. This is my purpose now, and making this place a beautiful place in nature is my place. If you want to go change the world with chicken, you need to go talk to Truett Cafe. Get yourself a Chick-fil-A franchise. So They're good things, it's just not his thing anymore. And we've been thinking together in this series, This Is Still Us, what is our purpose together as a church? You have a, a purpose that God's called to you in your life. We together has a purpose, have a purpose as a congregation, as a church family. We want to explore that and think about what it is because there are many good things that churches could do in the world, but there's only one thing that we're actually called to do, and we've been looking at what is that, and if you're newer here and you're kind of new to church, this is kind of an insider message. It's for the ones who are already here and a part of it, but I'm still glad you're here because you get to experience what's really important to us and to see what makes our heart beat faster. And so what we want to do is we think about what is our purpose together as a church. My goal is very simple with all of us. Whether you're newer or you're part of Connection for a long time or you're considering if this is a place you want to put your own roots down, we want to first of all just find out and have crystal clear clarity about what is the mission of our church together And then we take it even a step further and we understand we want what we actually do to be aligned with what we say we do because there's a lot of churches you can visit or a lot of places, not just churches, where there's the mission on the wall and then there's the thing that they actually do and sometimes they're different and we want there to be alignment because someday, as a leader in this church, I'm gonna have to stand before Jesus and give an account of how I led with you all and if you're a leader in this church, you're gonna have to give account to how you led and so I wanna be on the mission that Jesus gave us and beyond that, It's not just that I want you to be clear about what we do here and and are we actually doing it? And by the way, if you're newer, you may have even a better perspective of whether we're aligned with our mission or not. So I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. If you go, just as somebody who's just walking in off the street, y'all say this, but I think you're doing this. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Because the third thing I wanna talk about in all of this message series is, I want your engagement. I don't want you just to attend and spectate. I want you to be part of what connection is put here to do. And it's the same thing that churches have been doing for 2,000 years. You go all the way back to day one in the book of Acts, and we find that the very first day the church started, it was already doing the thing that Jesus had told the church to do. It's his church, and we just carry out his mission. And in fact, if you have a Bible, if you want to go to Matthew chapter 28, we can find out exactly what Jesus said churches are supposed to do. If you've got a, a smartphone with a Bible app on it, if you point at that QR code right there with your camera, it'll open the Bible. Bible app for you right to this verse. Uh, If you're watching online, welcome. We're really glad you're here with us today, and you can follow along on this as well. This is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. These are literally the last words Jesus said to his closest friends and, and disciples and students before he left the planet. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Right there is the purpose that Jesus has for us. I want you to go. Every church should go. Make disciples. If you're a little bit fuzzy about what is a disciple, a good word to use there instead of a synonym would be like an apprentice or a student, a follower, so jesus tells his students i want you to go make more and better students more and better disciples because uh not only do you go and find people from every nation you know god doesn't discriminate he loves people from everywhere he made all of us so there will be people in the kingdom of heaven from all uh, different nationalities speaking all different languages every different color uh, every background that you can imagine god welcomes every one of them into his family jesus says i'll be happy to teach you uh, you've never locked eyes with someone That doesn't matter to God And that he doesn't want to be his student And so we talked about last week The goal of the church The mission of the church Is to make disciples We go out and we find As Jesus described people who are far from God And he says they're not wrong They're lost And when someone like, is a, like, like a lost sheep You go out and you find that lost sheep And you bring that one lost sheep Back to the 99 as Jesus described it Who are already where they're supposed to be And so we make disciples. But what I want to focus on today is the next step of that, where Jesus says, you go make disciples. And then, did you notice that he said, I want you to teach them all the things I taught you? I want you to teach them to follow my example and my teachings. Uh, A good on-mission church is a church where people are mentored, where you're turning around and mentoring and teaching other people as well with the things that God's showing you in your life. And the disciples did a great job of that. As I said, 2,000 years ago, you can read the book of Acts and just watch how this church spread like wildfire through, first of all, it started in Jerusalem, but it wasn't too long before it was spreading out into Judea, It got up into Samaria, got up into Europe, and from Europe and Italy, and then went on into Spain, and eventually made it to the British Isles, and uh, 200 years ago, there were a couple of pastors, Thomas and Alexander Campbell, uh, who were Presbyterian pastors, and Alexander the son went to the United States And he started preaching here And his dad, Thomas, was still in Scotland And they came to the same conclusion At the same time That when they read Jesus' words He didn't create denominations He just created a church So they all kind of on their own Said, you know what? I think we're not the only Christians But we're Christians only Let's just drop this denominational stuff and then Thomas came from Scotland to the United States and he met his son and they realized they'd had the same epiphany, started something that we now call the Restoration Movement, which this church is a part of. It was almost 200 years ago now that it started. 100 years ago, some people from the Restoration Movement started a church in Union, Missouri. And my grandpa was actually part of helping get that going. And that was the church that was there when I was somebody who needed to learn about Jesus and be baptized. And from there, now I've had the privilege of helping start this church and you see, the message just keeps going forward as we keep teaching what Jesus taught. The Apostle Paul told a young pastor named Timothy this exact thought. This is 2 Timothy 2. And Paul's just writing to his young uh, protege as his mentor. He said, Timothy, my dear son, and this isn't literal, he's his father in the faith. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the, through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses, Now you teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will then be able to pass them on to others. There's like this chain of custody that the Bible has been passed down and the word of God has been passed down and the eyewitness testimony of Jesus was dead on Friday and rose on Sunday. It's, It's been passed down. The reason we know what Jesus taught and what Jesus did is because people told other people who told other people. The reason you're here is because somebody told you, somebody invited you, And so when we think about what is us, who are we, what do we do, part of Connection's DNA is that we're a teaching church. This is a mentoring kind of place, a place where you want to pass the faith along. Now, for the rest of the time that I've got this morning, I want to bring up two of our Gift, most gifted teachers in our church that we have I've got Ginger Bowden, soon to be Dr. Ginger Bowden And uh, Truman Rhodes, who's soon to be graduating from St. Louis Christian College And we're just going to have a conversation And we want you to just engage with this About what does it mean that connection is a teaching kind of place So come on up and uh, we'll uh, have a little conversation here And I feel intimidated now The smart people are on the stage now <laughs> you got any really good questions these are the people you should be asking not me so uh you know just a little bit as I was describing like our faith gets handed down to us you are both committed Christians you're both uh actually educating yourselves and being educated to to do what we're doing on a like a professional level but somewhere along the way you had to have somebody share their faith with you to become a Christian uh church did a good job of raising you up so what did that look like for for you guys
1: For me, um, I was born into the church. My grandparents, uh, both Sets and my parents, were all members of the Restoration Church. So my family and I were born into it. And and it was something, a lot of you know, my dad was in the service, so we traveled really all over the world. But wherever we went, you know, we took our faith with with us. We found a church, or we worshiped at the base chapel. So it was just born and bred into me that church is part of your life. It's something you do.
0: How about you, Truman?
2: Yeah, and so for me, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I I would kind of go every once in a while to like VBSs and, you know, kind of church functions that, you know, were advertised at at school sometimes. But I didn't really start actually going to church, you know, until I got probably in high school. Um, And then I started going by myself. But um, really why I started going was because I felt that the people there, they cared about me in a way that I hadn't experienced before. You know, so the church was doing their job. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and one thing that specifically came to mind this morning... Was um, they would invite me to sit with them. There would be there would be elderly people there that that would be like, yeah, come sit with us, you know, because otherwise I would have been sitting by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, what reminded me of it actually was as you invited me to come sit down by you. I was like, that's 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 incredible, you it know, feels so, familiar, right? And you were mentoring me right there before you even knew it. But, but I'm, yeah, I'm
1: not elderly.
2: Okay, <laughs> yeah, right. But <What> you? <laughs> for sure. Oops. <laughs> but yeah, so. I just my faith grew from there. I got involved on stuff on Wednesday nights and uh, Sunday school. You know, sure. I remember my Sunday school teachers that they were they poured into me. You know, and then, then I met a youth minister, um, at church camp one time, and and mm-hmm. she really poured into me. So my faith kind of grew from there.
0: Yeah, it's like a variety of people that speak into your lives. I don't know if any of you can relate. We got the two sides of the spectrum. Some of you. How many of you grew up in church? Like, you don't remember a time now. And how many of you are like, I'm kind of new to church and stuff like that. That's It's okay. It was, we're, we love all people here, but that's interesting. So you kind of think about that. It, the faith got passed to you. Now, kind of pivot. What does that look like now on the other side of it where you're now more intentional about pouring into other people? What does it look like here at Connection, for example, or, you know, other contexts?
1: I think what it looks like, what I've seen it look like here is really what Truman described, it's finding someone who in some ways is a little further down the road, and whether it's, you know, formally asking them questions and talking to them, or just observing their life, seeing how they do it, Mm -hmm. Um, I've had a couple of examples of that one of the things when I was younger I would look at like my parents and old people and uh, I always thought they were like done they were finished you know they're finished they're like completely sculpted whatever and the older I get the more I realize you're never done like what I'm doing now I like I've never been this age I've never had adult kids that I'm parenting through things and you're constantly learning and so I look at those people who are a little bit ahead of me or have done a little something different, something I haven't encountered yet, but I think it's important to also look the other direction. Um, one of the things I appreciate about Truman is, you know, a lot of us um, older people, we, we see the things on the news or we, you know, we observe them and it's like we don't quite get it and it, it's not how we were, but we've got people that we can talk to about, you know, what does that mean? When you say deconstruct, what does that mean? You know, we've, it, it's looking to both sides of the people around you to see what they know that you don't, and I think that's really scriptural. Um, in Titus, Titus was another one of the um, young men that Peter, I'm, Paul was mentoring, and in Titus, uh, in chapter two, Paul tells him to teach the older men, mm-hmm. teach the older women, and teach the younger men too. You know, th- we And Titus himself was a young man. So I think it's scriptural that we're teaching each other, we're looking to each other, young, old, whatever it is.
2: Yeah, that's really good. Sure. Yeah, the scripture that comes to mind for me, it, it comes out of Acts. It's in Acts verse. I mean, Acts chapter 8, and, and it's verses uh, 29 and 30, I believe. But it kind of talks about, the, you come across the story of um, Philip. He's told by the Holy Spirit to, to go down to um, Egypt and along his way, the spirit says, "Oh, stop and talk to this this Ethiopian eunuch and, and this eunuch he's sitting there reading scripture and philip says do you, do you understand what you're reading and, and Philip says, uh, "How can I know unless somebody explains it to me and, and that's kind of that's kind of where i get, I think my generation is at you know sure. i mean we're we're kind of i don't want to say biblically illiterate, but we're definitely unfamiliar with the bible we're unfamiliar with scripture and so but we're interested you know we're we're interested in, in spirituality we're interested in religion you know and, and we want we want a space where we can feel comfortable with like you said deconstructing or wrestling with these these hard questions of religion you know um, so yeah i think from from our perspective you know it's we, we want people to take interest in us we want the the older generations ahead of us to to take interest in us, ask us questions, you know, about, about what we're struggling with in the faith and, and that sort of thing, because there's all kinds of stuff out there, you know, about theology, and TikTok is one of the huge ones right now mm-hmm. about, you know, sharing theological information that may not be true, you know, and, and it can influence us in a way that, that could be negative, but there is stuff on there that, that is good that can influence us in a positive way, but but it's so important for us to hear from, from the generations that come before us, you know, like you, Ginger, and, and you, Pastor Brian. Um, so that we can have a a faith and, and an understanding that that is grounded in, in in reality is grounded in the truth.
0: Yeah, and through a person that, that's, Right. like obviously Jesus is really smart, but it's just genius that he trusts people because that relationship really it's like some of you are teachers. What is that like? The teacher learns the most, and uh, as much as caught as is taught, isn't that kind of part of what we do here? Is there is there like a part of the teaching itself is being in a relationship
1: yeah and whenever whenever i am teaching or i am speaking up here it takes so many more hours to get you know even a half hour class because you need to know it really really well to feel confident and we're handling the word of god you know you don't want to just throw your own opinion in there randomly you want it to be complete truth and so and you're worried about that person who's going to ask the question that you don't know and (laughs) what are you going to do with it so yeah when you're teaching you're learning a lot
2: yeah for sure yeah that's definitely true I I can I can remember distinctly the very first sermon that I ever preached (laughs) but it's because it's because I had to learn it first and I had to learn it enough to teach it you know so
0: that's definitely true. Yeah, I don't want to think about the first sermon I preached. <laughs> Apologies to any of you who have heard that one. <laughs> yeah, so um, just, I, I kind of get in the feeling from you, and I, I don't know if you're getting this feeling or not, that you're not off the hook just because you don't teach in a class. And some of you maybe should be teaching in our ministries, like our student and children's ministries, because as Truman's saying, his generation uh, wants intergenerational contact. Is that the right expression, intergenerational? Yeah, like, sounds perfect, yeah are we willing to open our, our homes and our lives and, and our, you know, selves to having those kind of conversations? Because the younger generations want that. But even if you're not a teacher teacher, you're still not off the hook because there's people who are watching you. I think about in my own experience in my home church, how many people had no idea they were mentoring me. I was just watching how they did family. I was listening to how they treated each other and how they cared for people and what they were doing in their life that was generous. So,
1: one of the great experiences I had here, and it's it's kudos to our church, is um, probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I had a day off on a Tuesday and had the opportunity oh, yeah. to teach our senior citizens uh, Bible study one morning. It was back, we were, I don't even know if we were in the theater yet, it's been so long ago, and um, I met with, and, and I, I practiced and worked and learned and studied, and met with a group, I think it was all older ladies, and, you know, we spent that hour together I learned from them. They learned from me. But more than that, they became friends who guided me. They let me watch their lives. They let me talk to them. They ask me questions sometimes, but I get to do it back to them. So I know none of them came that day thinking they were signing up to be my teacher for the next, you know, 20 years. But they did, and they've done it so graciously and sincerely. It's It's been a, a, a true blessing in my life to watch them do that. So you are teaching whether you know it or
0: not yeah there's a that's double-sided you're teaching whether you know it or not so kind of be aware that people are watching so that kind of brings up for sure the Bible does say that there's some kind of like a higher standard for a teacher teacher but if you're thinking about like well I'm sure obviously Jesus wouldn't use me to mentor somebody else is are there any actual restrictions or any guidelines in the scripture like do you have to be a certain age or a Christian a certain amount of time before you can turn around and be a mentor to somebody
2: no, I, I definitely think that, like piggybacking on what uh, Ginger said, you're always teaching, you know, even like at, at youth group on Wednesday nights, you know, um, sometimes I, I, think, I think to myself, oh, I'm not just teaching while I'm speaking up front, but I'm also teaching how I interact with the kids, how I interact with, with other adults, and, and that sort of thing, and I know that they're watching the things that I say, you know, the, the things that I do, because uh, that, that's important to them, they want you know, Gen Z, and I'm sure that's true for most generations, is we we look for, you know, what's genuine, you know, is this person really who they say they are, you know, so.
1: When I was in high school, I lived about four doors down from my youth group sponsors at church, and they got to enjoy me an awful lot, Um, (laughs) but, you know, that was a long time back. I was 13, 14 years old when I was running down to their house all the time, having dinner, whatever, and just watching them be a new married couple, watching the truth of what they taught me lived out in their lives. And, you know, Monty and Bonnie Franklin are still um, good friends of mine. We keep in touch via Facebook and in other ways. They went to church with my parents. They um, were a tremendous support to me when Mom and Dad passed away. You know, whatever you're pouring into a young person today, you know, it... We talk about how it lasts through eternity, but it lasts through your life as well. It's not just an eternal reward. It's something you're benefiting from and giving benefit right now in, in life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I'm always challenged, and you guys actually brought this up when we were talking this week. I think it's, a have got it in here, First Timothy 4.12. Like, Paul had to tell Timothy, you know, you got a church full of older people. Don't let them look down on you because you're young. You, you can still set an example, absolutely. Am I getting that right? I think it's on the screen. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so um, you're not off the hook. Maybe I can... I'll just say this and you guys can react to this I think it's unfortunate to me and I've heard a lot of people do this they get to a certain age and just kind of check out as if you're done, <laughs> you have to put in my time now and I just think to myself, what a tragedy at the time when you're at the most mature you've ever been in your life, you've had the most life experience and people like me at my age need to figure out what's the next quarter of my life look like and you're checked out and what do you th- so is there a restriction on okay, you're too old, you shouldn't probably be mentoring anymore either
1: no, absolutely not. As long as you're breathing your you should be mentoring. You should be in, in both ways. You should be looking for those people that, you know, you can pour yourself into. And you should be looking for those people who can help you move along a little bit, whether they're older than you or younger than you. There, there's, It never stops. And Jesus didn't put a limit on the Great Commission. It wasn't, you know, go until you retire, and once you hit 65, then you're off the hook. You know, it, it just keeps going. And I, you know, a lot of you know my story, my experience about 12 years ago, even though I was raised in the church and had um, hours and hours of Sunday school and youth group and classes and sermons, I wanted more. And so I went back to college, and I got a Master of Arts in Spiritual Formation. And then I thought, I want a little bit more. And then I got a Master's of Divinity. And then, much to my husband's delight, (laughs) I said, I want a little bit more. And that's the journey I'm on now, in the next year or so, wrapping up a doctorate in ministry. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to put a plug in. I'm going to offer all of you the opportunity. I'm going to be developing some classes that I'll be teaching here as part of that doctoral program. So um, be planning ahead for the fall when you'll be wanting to come to those classes.
0: Yep. I'm look- like everybody looks like they're ready to sign up right now, so we're, <laughs> we're good. Do you have any other last thoughts, guys, just a, advice or uh, maybe a challenge for us? Yeah, so a
2: piece of advice that I was given not too long ago, actually, probably about a year ago, was as I was, because I came to a point in my faith where I was kind of in a crisis mode of like, you know, this isn't working for me anymore. I need need something deeper. I need something more real, you know, because everything was pretty superficial in the beginning. But um, somebody said to me, they said, look for somebody or who in your life has a spiritual life or a Christian walk that you admire a lot. And they said, reach out to that person. You know, send that person an email. Call that person. You know, text that person. Ask them if you can meet with them and talk about. Okay, how did you get to that point? How did you get to a point where you have a deep spiritual life? You know, and so that's what I did. I reached out to a a, uh, somebody who became my spiritual director for a while, and just that mentorship relationship of just spending time with that person um, changed my faith entirely. You know, I, I had a deeper faith. You know, things started to become real for me as a christian but but that would be my advice is look for somebody who has a spirituality that you look up to a a christian faith that you look up to and and talk to that person you know they're gonna love that you reached out to them you know it's 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 a it's a really cool thing to be able to mentor but also to be a mentee
1: And i think the the last thought i have is that we do all things in love that um when we're giving advice or when we're accepting advice, when we're looking for those mentors, we ought, we do it all in love. Um, Jesus loved us enough to come here. He loved us enough to entrust the church and each other. And um, whether you're looking to be mentored or hearing things from a mentor, it's all done in love.
0: Well, I appreciate both of you sharing your insights. Lisa. Uh, thank them for... It takes a great number of people in the church of all kinds and all different experiences to make us who we are. And God puts exactly who needs to be in the church for us to shape each other. You know, as God changes our lives, he does it through, first of all, the Holy Spirit within you. So if you become a Christian, God's Holy Spirit starts to work in you and change things you just can't change on your own. We need to learn to be self-feeders. We need to get ourselves in the word every day and be praying and starting to just help ourselves grow as we access the truth of God. But we also need the people around us. I really appreciate what Truman was saying there at the end just about a year ago, seeking somebody out. Maybe a step for you is you need to seek somebody out appreciate something that Barrett Brooks, an author, said. He said, a lot of times we look for a hero, and a lot of times people just default to looking at an athlete as their hero, or I might say mentor, just because they don't know who else is available. And then he asked a very compelling question. He said, here's how I think about that. Who haven't I been exposed to that would inspire me if I knew they existed or knew the details of their lives, and how can I learn about such people? I'm just wondering if there's somebody already that God's placed in the connection family that can be the person that you need to help you move forward in your faith. And I'm wondering if there's somebody who's looking to you and maybe needs you to pour into their life. Yeah, I think the mission that Jesus gave is real clear. Jesus said, "I came here in Luke 19:10, He said, "I came here to seek and save the lost." He came here to serve." And as I said back uh, last week in Matthew 18, Jesus said, "If a shepherd has 900 sheep and one goes missing, what does he do? He goes and he finds the one that's missing." And this is a church, this is who we are. We, we try to take everyone, we accept anyone right where they're at. So you belong here right where you're at, but God loves you too much to just let you stay exactly where you're at. And he's gonna change all of us. We're gonna be transformed. We're going to be changed and we're in the process of changing and we accept each other while we're changing. But you need to change. We need to grow up into the image of Christ. And part of that is all of us being willing to not just be so laser-focused on our own thoughts, our own dreams, our own aspirations, our own problems, and we open our eyes to the people around us who need us, and the people that we need. Have you heard of Lecrae? I mean, who hasn't, right? If you haven't heard of him, I'll just tell him he's a a Grammy winner, he's a Dove Award winner, he's a producer, he had a, a... an album that was just fantastic a couple of years ago called Anomaly. Lecrae is a powerful Christian, but he hasn't always been. And uh, he describes himself as just a mess. His his friends, when he was a teenager, because he was very violent and into drugs and into theft, and he's just, they called him Crazy Cray. But the thing that changed him and actually drew him to God was a guy who was willing to go into his world. And of all things, it was, uh, he said, it was just a, an ordinary white guy named Joe who wasn't put off by his baggy jeans and his earrings and his culture and all that. Joe was just willing to go into Lecrae's world and accept him as he was, share Jesus. And Lecrae accepted Christ, and now he's been influenced to millions of people. And Lecrae said, it didn't even stop there. God saved me, but he says that, uh, you know, it was learning the truth of God through his whole life, that the truth of God needs to work its way everywhere. And so... I think about what God has done in his life, and I think he wants to multiply that across all of us. And if you're open to that, just think about where you could be a month, a year from now, if you would just accept that God has plans for you that you maybe even don't even dare dream for yourself. I think, I don't want to over-spiritualize what David Bamberger is doing out there at the Salaw Reserve in Texas, but uh, on a, just on a very physical level it's just amazing that he's transforming that place but I think there is a spiritual lesson there too that God is in the business of taking things that are irreparable just broken and if that's I'm describing your life if I'm describing your relationships your finances just b- believe me I've seen so many stories of God taking things that are broken and fixing them and transforming them and he wants to do that with you It's literally why Connection exists. It's what makes our heart beat faster. Every moment when someone says yes to Jesus and starts the journey with him and goes in the water, as Jesus said, and gets baptized into him, calling on his name. And so many Connection Christians have done that. Their names are literally signed on the wall right there and started that journey where God starts changing us one heart at a time, and he uses each of us. Part of your healing is as you are helping other people, you are helped as well. So this morning, I'm going to pray for us. And as we continue to go through communion time, I want you to just be thinking about what is it that God wants me to do with this? How does he want me to be part of this process of what Connection is doing? Who do I need in my life? Who do I need to open myself up to? And what is God asking me to do? Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for the people you've placed in my life who have shown me the way, whether they knew it or not, uh, the gifted teachers that you've just put in my pathway that have showed me the way of Christ. And I'm thankful for the people who passed on their faith to me. I pray for that, for connection. I pray for this to be a place that's healthy, that people are opening their lives and their hearts to one another, that people's lives are transformed as they just rub shoulders with one another, as they share the truth that you're showing them, and they share the grace that you've given them. And I pray that you would just take away any fear that anyone has this morning, that you won't accept us or that it won't work for us, that you just put that aside and help us to realize just what it is that you have in store for us, that when you are for us, anything is possible and lives will be changed. And I pray all this in Jesus' name.